How's it going, everybody? I have a really awesome guest today. Uh, you're here because you want to take your life to the next level, without a doubt. You know, you want to stay ahead of the pack and execute on the best strategies possible. Well, you'll definitely stay ahead of the game today because with COVID, there's no mystery that a lot of personal development and networking events are now being moved to online. So it's within your best interest to figure out the best way to host your own online event and also network and connect with people online. The most successful people in the world not only attend events, but also host them. Well, today I have a very special guest. Her name is Lisa Schulteis, the founder of Electroline Marketing and is a member of several top level mastermind groups. Her company has helped create big events for Fortune 100 companies, for influencers, and international speakers for the last 11 years. With everything moving to virtual because of COVID, she now helps very specifically with online events. Well, if I know one thing to be true, it's that now is the best time to start bringing people together for a specific purpose. Whether you're a hairstylist or a dancer or a fitness instructor, or you have your own business, whatever it is, now is a great time to create an online event and start dominating in your space. So by the end of the interview, you'll get a better understanding of where entrepreneurship is heading in terms of online events. You'll feel like you're ahead of the curve and will have an advantage over most people to take your business to the next level through the use of powerful online events. Thank you for joining us here today, Lisa. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So um, really quick question. I really want to know what got you started on your entrepreneurial journey? Um, it was actually an accident. So I actually don't recommend that anybody starts their business that way. Um, my previous life is actually neuropsychology and healthcare administration. And when my first child was born, I made the decision to stop working to raise my kids. And after number three was born, I realized I love my family. I love my kids, but I really needed something back for myself that was just mine. Um, and so I kind of just one day decided, you know what, I'm going to launch this company and I'm going to find people to work with. And, you know, looked at my husband and said, you have to know somebody, right? And um, I actually started the company almost 11 years ago now doing data entry, $10 an hour for whoever would call me. Um, and it just kept progressing from there and, and, and kept building and, and kept growing. And, you know, people would call and say, Hey, do you know how to do this? And I would say, of course, I know how to do that and nod and smile and then go figure it out later. Um, so it really was kind of by accident. And, you know, over the last few years, obviously I've, I've grown and scaled with, with much more intention than with how I started out the company. Mm. So you start out in uh, data entry and, and I, did people just start referring you and, and you just started thinking like, did you do that on the side and you reached out to people? Like, what did that look like? Yeah. So we had one person, it was a, a colleague of my husband's that had his own business and he, he, he was my first actual client. Um, and then after that, you know, I was doing some advertising on Twitter and, and Facebook, you know, and, and not in terms of ads, but just posts, like putting things out there and hoping that somebody would see them, um, responding to things. And, and, you know, it really, the business really grew mostly based off of referrals. Um, you know, one person would work with me and, and they would have a friend that would need help. And, and so it just kept growing. Um, and then, like I said, as, as things progressed, then I actually got intentional about how I wanted the business to grow and what types of things I wanted to be doing. Wow. So did you have a mentor in all this or does your husband own his own business? He does not. He is absolutely a, um, you know, kind of brick and mortar cubicle kind of person. Um, so as during the years, I've had many mentors, um, depending on what my need was. So about five years ago, five or six years ago, I decided to rebrand the company. And so at that time, I hired a branding mentor uh, just to help me get through that process, try to come up with a new name, um, really focus on what the mission was of the company. I've had other mentors who I've used over the years for anything from, you know, business structure um, to advertising to just general, you know, where do we want to go? Um, 
you know, what are those unique gifts that I have that I really love and enjoy and that I, those are the things that I want to do. So I have definitely worked with a number of mentors over the year. So you started, so there's a point where you started being more intentional in the business. Was that when you started doing the hiring for the mentors? Like, I'm sure like there was a lot of questions you had in terms of like, do I do this? How do I, how do just certain things work? Um, Is that when you started really hiring those mentors? Yeah, it really was. You know, the the first one definitely was the branding person. And, you know, that's when I rebranded everything. And then I pretty much gave everybody a heart attack after that. I fired all my clients, um, all of them. I just decided, you know what, I've rebranded the company. The clients I was working with at the time just weren't in line with where I wanted the company to go. Um, if you ever want a really good way to give your spouse a heart attack, just fire all your clients in one day. Um, but immediately, like within a week, you know, I had been telling people, this is where I want to take this business. And within a week, even some of the ex-clients were referring people to me who really were focused on that particular, you know, industry or niche that I wanted to focus on. And, and so it was very scary um, to do it, but it absolutely was the right decision. And then really just working with people as needed, you know, mentors as needed um, through the, the the life cycle of this business to take it where it is as of today. So with, uh, with the niche, was that when you started wanting to go into like uh, hosting events? No, that was really focusing on... Um, really working with speakers and authors and coaches and influencers. Um, most of my clientele had kind of started out that way just by accident. And so I really kind of focused on them, but focused on people that really were settled in and, you know, had their business for a while, weren't necessarily starting out brand new at that time. And that's really where I started to focus on that. And then of course, events are part of that, right? Um, every speaker, every coach, every influencer does events, whether it's a one hour webinar or a one day workshop or a three day conference. So we were using events as part of their marketing plan anyway. And um, really in the last year, I, I pivoted again about a year ago and decided, you know, I love this piece. Um, I always tell people you have to be a little bit crazy, like good crazy, but a little bit crazy to love events. You know, they're very fast moving, very lots of moving parts. Um, and that's when I really decided about a year ago that I wanted to take that and just niche down even tighter and really focus on that event piece. And so I made that transition about a year ago and was doing live events, virtual events, hybrid events. Um, so it was just one more tightening up of the focus of the business. Wow. Um, that's really incredible um, because I personally, and I know a lot of people in my audience, they, they would love to connect with like high, higher level people, like authors and um, influencers, things like that. How did you go about reaching out to those people and get business for, uh, with these people? You know, a lot of it was, um, you know, so a lot of it was referral based, you know, you work with one person and then somebody else hears about you. Uh, and a lot of it was really, you know, networking with people. Um, I love going to events. Uh, I rarely actually go to the sessions. Um, every once in a while, you'll find me in one if it's somebody that I really want to hear. But I really love networking online. I love networking in person at events. Um, and, you know, right now we're being a little bit more creative with that because of our current circumstances, but it really was those personal connections with people and asking people questions, um, you know, with anything we do in business, it doesn't matter what you do in business, the more questions that we can ask people, it's, it, it's an easy way for us to find out what their needs are and how we can best serve them. Most definitely. So, uh, a big thing here, uh, is, is the relationship. So you, you made sure that you nurtured the relationships that are around you and they were more than happy because you, they knew and, tr and trusted you. They were more than happy to send business your way. And it's kind of trickled on for there. So uh, a big thing here is I, I believe events are very powerful. As a matter of fact, I think it's a great way to shortcut a lot of like uh, of time. Now, 
a big thing here at, at these events is I, one thing I love about the events is you meet these incredible people, as you know, like, as you're just mentioning, what, what's like your strategy and going, do you have a strategy going in when you're like, I want to go in and meet people or do I want you go and say, I want to meet one or two people that I can really help or what does it look like for you? You know, for me, it's really focusing around how I can serve others. So, you know, I may go to an event where maybe there's one person that I just really, really want to meet. Um, and it could be because I want to work with them or it could just be I'm starstruck with them and I really want to meet them. Um, but really, when I'm, I'm networking with people and, and going to events, either you know online or in person, it's it's really me approaching it from a, a service attitude of, of how can I help this person? Um, you know, you sit down with people and you, you start asking questions and inevitably you're going to hear something that they're stuck on. And I may not even be the right person with the solution, but I might know somebody else with the solution. And so if I can provide that as of a service to them, I'm, you know, that's, that's really what we're all here for is to help others. And I'm a firm believer in that then comes back around. And, you know, those people remember you for your act of service that when they do need help with something that you actually do, you're the first name that pops up into their mind. And so I think anytime that we can go into any kind of a situation with that attitude of service, it's going to absolutely help us grow our business um, even if we're not intentionally trying to grow our business at that moment. Most definitely. So you, you, you add value, you help them out in their life. And it's not necessarily trying to get something from this person. It's just like, Hey, you know, what? I want I like to meet this person. I want to help out as I can. And if something comes back from it, that's great. But your primary mode of thinking is how can I best serve and help this person out? So Let's say that we, we, we take somebody who may not have such a, like a strong network, or maybe they don't have a lot of resources uh, to provide. Like, what, what would you suggest, like somebody who maybe is starting out in business and they really want to make a connection with somebody who is a little bit more ahead of them in business? Maybe they want to connect with someone who's making six figures in business or even seven figures. Like, what would be your approach to maybe giving value to that person to form a connection with them? Yeah, you know, I do a couple of different things in terms of outreach that I really get a good response back from. Um, one of which is if I if I have a connection, so let's say, you know, you're connected to somebody that I really want to meet for whatever reason. Um, you know, a lot of times I'll reach out to you and say, you know, I, I, I really want to meet Joe. Um, I, I see that you're connected with Joe. These are the reasons that I want to meet with him, you know, would you be willing to make that introduction? So I will flat out ask for the help. Um, it took me a really long time to learn that asking for help was okay. Um, I'm a bit of a control freak. And so that was something that was really, really hard for me. The other thing that I will do is, is if I'm cold calling people, um, even just for the connection for the meet, not necessarily to sell, a lot of times I'll actually just record a quick video. And you know, a quick one, two minute video that I send to them, maybe via LinkedIn, or maybe, you know, if I do have access to their email or some other way socially that, you know, I'll just say, Hey, Joe, you know, we haven't had a chance to meet yet. My name is Lisa Schulteis. Here's a little bit about me. Here's what I really love about what you're doing. Right. And I'll focus on something, you know, it could be a book launch that they've just done or a product launch that, that they've just done, or I just, saw them, you know, present on video. And, and so I'll comment on that and, and with, you know, honesty, right? Like with sincerity, not because I'm just trying to kiss their, their butt, but because I actually, you know, was impressed by it. And so using that little one to two minute video where they can see my face and hear my personality and, and hear my words, that's really helped me to get some connections with people that, I never thought that I'd ever actually be able to connect with. Wow. So it, it, it takes a little bit of, you know, being, being bold and, and the way of number one, because I, I feel that uh, I also have challenge with, with the asking part, you know, like actually asking for in a specific introduction. Like, well, how was that transition for you where you went from not wanting to ask to you're like, you know what, I should start asking. And then when did it click? We're like, wait a second, people actually want to help out and are more than willing to help me out. 
I still fight it every day. Um, it's I, I, I tell people I'm an extroverted introvert. So for all of the introverts who are, are listening to this, um, I'm right there with you. Uh, I, I, you know, I love events, but I'd love to just be in the corner and, and watching it from a, a distance if I'm actually attending an event. So really, it's something I still struggle with every day. Um, and I just have to force myself to do it. And, um, you know, a quick one or two minute video is it, you know, it's pretty easy to do. And, and there are days that I stumble through it and I say, um, too many times and, uh, start my sentence with, so, and, you know, all of those things that I, I self-criticize with, but the person who's receiving it, they're actually seeing your real personality. And that's, that's amazing. Right. They, they, you know, with our websites and with social media, we can type things that will give people a, an idea of who we are, but it's when they actually see us and hear us that it just helps. So you just have to kind of kick yourself and get over it and, and force yourself to do it. And, um, you know, it, it, it helps and I still struggle with it, but I, it definitely helps all the time. Mm. Yeah, you know, I remember after I left the War Room event that um, back in November, I remember I had, there was a couple people that I met through LinkedIn um, or through there that I connected with on LinkedIn. I remember I had sent a video to several people and I remember one person, I forgot who it was, but I remember they're like, wow, they were amazed. They're like, no one's ever sent me a video. Um, and I think it was someone introduced me to somebody and I sent a video to introduce myself to that person. And it made such a huge difference in terms of the quality of the interaction that we had. Now, I, I've been thinking about this lately because uh, I think Jesse Isler, I think he writes five letters a day or something like that. And I'm, and I'm starting to think like, okay, if I really want to grow my network and want to form more relationships, it, it really has to come down for it to, to be a habit where I reach or more, I'm constantly reaching out. Do you have some kind of system that you use to remind you or is it top of mind? What is like the follow-up and nurturing of the relationships look like for you? Yeah, I have a little bit of a system, um, but I still personalize it. So I have, you know, kind of templates that I will use for, you know, if I'm doing reach out on LinkedIn, for example, um, I have a couple of email template or message templates that I use um, that I will copy and paste in and then I totally edit them. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of a starting point for me. I'm horrible with the blank page. I know a lot of people are horrible with the blank page. So I do have a couple of emails or message templates that I'll use, but I do definitely, you know, personalize those based on our conversation that's happening. Um, you know, and you talk about growing the business and, and one of the things that I did when, when COVID happened in March you know, I've, I've always done a combination of live and virtual events, but obviously when COVID happened and everything shut down, right, the event industry shut down in a day and it was catastrophic. Um, and I knew that I needed to immediately let people know that, you know, yes, I do events, but by the way, I, I do virtual events. And, and most people that I was associating with didn't know that piece about me. Um, so I was very intentional about it in LinkedIn um, in March, and I was recording about 51 minute videos a day where wow. I would go through, I, it's crazy, right? And I would go through my list and I would say, you know, Greg, um, hey, just wanted to connect with you, you know, hope you're doing okay during this crazy time that we're living in. We've never had to experience this before. Um, just wanted to connect with you real quick, let you know what I'm up to. I'm looking for introductions to people who are in, you know, corporate world that might need to convert their in-person corporate internal events to virtual. So if you know anybody, let me know. And I sent out, I was doing about 50 of those a day. I did it every day for five days. So, you know, 250 of those went out. Um, and it was a lot of work, but it was a very intentional way to reach out to people. And I also said during that, you know, and hey, if there is anything that I can do to support you and your business right now, please let me know, because we were all in crisis mode. Um, so it's really just making those connections, again, being willing to ask, you know, that was a huge thing for me to do 250 ask, asking questions and asking for connections in a week. Um, but it's really just, you know, making it intentional and, and not being afraid of, of 
what might happen. You know, somebody might not like my video. Well, the other 249 people probably did. So it's okay. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. So now we are in the, now we're made the huge transition between your hope, like doing a lot of stuff with helping people out with their physical events. Now you've moved on to virtual. Um, let's say that we have some people who want to start throwing like, you know, virtual events, uh, but they're like unsure of like, well, how, how would I do it in terms of like, um, how do I make it to where it's like a really great experience to where it feels like it feels different than just like a normal Zoom call. You know right. What I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I always tell people we don't need another, just another Zoom meeting, right? And nothing against Zoom and, and Zoom's actually becoming kind of a noun right now, <laughs> you know, and, and, or an adjective describing things, um, which, you know, I'm sure that their CEO is, is loving in some cases and, and not loving in others. Um, but really in terms of, you know, events are a great way to grow your business, whether you're doing them in person or virtually. And so it's really just a matter of deciding what type of event is going to support the goal that you have. So for example, if you're somebody that already does workshops, like a one day workshop, or maybe you're doing, you know, if you're a brick and mortar and you're doing you know, yoga classes, right, where people are coming to a physical location, those can very easily be transformed into an online workshop and online class. A lot of businesses have su successfully done that. Um, you know, the big thing with virtual events is you have to be able to take that live experience and translate that to the digital world. So if you're doing something like a class or a workshop, doing that in this kind of a format where we're on Zoom or GoToMeeting or any of the other many video conferencing platforms that are out there, you absolutely can do that because you're getting that FaceTime, you're getting that one-on-one -on -one time or that even that one-to-many time. But then you want to actually add in any surprise little experiential elements that you can. So um, even with workshops, for example, you know, I have a lot of people that have taken their one day workshop and they've converted it to a Zoom event, right? They're holding the workshop online. They've got the whiteboard behind them that they're writing on. Um, but normally in a workshop setting, you know, we would have lunch be delivered in for our 10 participants, for example. And so what a lot of times I'll recommend to people is if you're doing a workshop and people are paying you a few hundred dollars for this workshop, then if instead of being able to bring lunch in because they're all with you, have lunch door dashed or Uber Eats or, you know, something to them so that you're all still having that experience together. You're just having it online, right? Or give them all gift certificates and tell them all that order lunch to be delivered at noon. And you're still online. And, and yes, it might be weird eating in front of the camera, but we all know, you know, when we go to these networking events, we all sit around tables, we all eat together. It's how we actually connect over food. So doing some of those little surprise elements um, is really helpful in having that virtual event be a little bit more effective than you actually expect it to be. And then really it's just, what is your goal of, of the event? You know, if it's to, you know, upsell them to another product, you know, maybe you're doing a one day workshop and you want to upsell them to, you know, a coaching package, for example, or maybe you're doing a one-off class, but you want to upsell them to a group of classes. Then it's really a matter of figuring out what's the best type of event for you. Is it a webinar? Is it a workshop? Is it a virtual summit? Um, you know, and then what software is going to support that um, to make sure that you're being able to provide that service. Um, and, you know, that's everywhere from the webinar, which is little, um, all the way up to, you know, we're doing five day virtual events. We have one that's running right now that's four weeks long. Um, and it's, it's a lot of work. So it just depends on how big that end goal is and what you need to support it. So it's no different than taking your customer lifecycle and figuring it out for a live event than it is for a virtual event. You just have to make sure you have all of those pieces put together. Gotcha. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, yeah, a big thing is like um, 
uh, online events, it could be, it could be, it be challenging, right? To at least hold like the attention and stuff like that. At least um, I've, I've noticed in my experience, uh, just from my, my experience, but um, I want to know like, what, what does that look like? Someone hosting like a, like that four week event, like what do they meet up every day or is it, do they sign homework? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, so this particular one's a bit bigger than that. Um, but even if you are doing something over multiple weeks, you know, the advantage of that is it's breaking up the time, right? We, we're all hearing about the Zoom fatigue and online fatigue. And so it, it allows you to break up some of that time. So if you're going to have a 30 minute session or a 45 minute session, um, or even longer, potentially, you know, building in some breaks after that. Um, if you're doing a bigger event where you've got a lot of people that are involved with it, both on the presentation side, as well as the attending side, you know, I always suggest, you know, have a fun session in there, right? A fun session could be a happy hour with a bartender and they're teaching you how to make drinks. Um, a fun session could be a 15 minute break where you've got a yoga instructor showing people how to do stretches to get them uncontorted from sitting in the office chair. Um, you know, another fun session could be, hey, we're sending everybody a surprise. And you can do this at the small level too, right? You have a workshop of five people and you're sending everybody a surprise box ahead of time and everybody unboxes it at the same time. And, you know, it could be something fun. It could be something serious. Um, whatever it is, it's, it's just another experience that you can add in um, just to put a break into it, you know, um, and then just, you know, even during the, the serious part of the sessions, making sure that those interactive pieces are in there, that people can raise their hand in the session or live chat questions or answer polls or all of those wonderful things that are already built into the software. The more we utilize that, the better. Um, and then, you know, if you want to have homework, that's great. Um, if you want to have pre-work, that's great as well. Um, I still try to add in some traditional event experiences with them. So if I'm hosting a workshop where I would normally be handing them a printed binder or a printed booklet, I will send that to them ahead of time with the workshop. And that way they still have that printed thing ahead of time. And it's a nice surprise that they've received as well. So just taking some of those live events and, and including them in there and, and, and breaking up the time. Wow. That that's actually very creative. Um, I, I, and putting in that fun time or sending stuff, you know, to have it in, uh, oh, actually War Room did that as well with, with, uh, with the event that I just had right now. Um, which was really, it was, it was a pleasant surprise. Even Tony Robbins did it for his Unleash the Power Within uh, event. Now, I know that you belong to uh, several masterminds as well. And personally, I believe that Ma like even Napoleon Hill talked about this in Think and Grow Rich, like masterminds are a common theme he's seen amongst many, many successful people. When did masterminds first like enter your, your radar? And when you thought you're like, oh, I really should join this because I know it's going to take me to the next level. Yeah, I've probably been a member of a mastermind of one sort of a, or another for probably the last five years. Um, sometimes I'm just in one, sometimes I'm in three. It just kind of depends on what's going on with the business. But, you know, I'm a firm believer in, and somebody told, said this to me years ago, and I don't know who it is, so I don't know who the originator of it is, but somebody, you know, smarter than me a few years ago said, you know, never be the smartest person in the room. And I've heard that in, in a number of masterminds, never be the smartest person in the room. I want to surround myself with people that know things better than I do. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of things I'm really, really good at. There are a lot of things that I'm either not so great at, or I just hate um, I hate finances. I hate doing accounting. I hate doing taxes. I hate doing anything related to that. Um, you know, things came up in March with, you know, PPP and, and, you know, the, the different SBA loans. And, and for me, that's head spinning, right? Where I can be in a mastermind where there's somebody who is, that's all they do and they love it. Um, which I don't understand how you can love that piece, but that's okay. Um, but obviously, you know, they're much smarter than me when it comes to that, or 
they just enjoy it a lot more. Like I could figure it out if I wanted to take the time. So, but I don't. Um, so masterminds have been really, really important for me to grow my business. And it also allows you two of the things I love about masterminds is one, it allows you to take your mind out of the everyday functions of your business and focus somewhere else. So when you're in that mastermind, you're not, you know, picking up the phone constantly and answering emails constantly and dealing with this project and that project, you know, you're actually focused on, wow, I need to, you know, focus on this piece to grow my business. And so masterminds really provide you that focus. Um, even if you don't need anybody else's input, it's, it's, it's a time to focus. And then the other thing that they provide you is they do provide you with that network of people where you can sit there and, and honestly say, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do in this scenario. And you can get that feedback from people who have, you know, probably already walked through that part of your business. Um, you know, maybe they experienced that five years ago. Maybe they experienced it five months ago. But it gives you that ability to, to just look at other people and say, how would you handle this? in a very safe environment where people aren't judging you and, and, you know, they're, they're willing to, to give you that insight and that help. And, you know, masterminds really go back to that attitude of service. It's, it's, you know, they're, they're helping you by having people answer questions for you, but they also help you because you're able to provide that service to others because you're going to have things that you can provide that are of value to other people as well. So I, they're really, I consider them crucial for business. Absolutely. I am a big fan uh, of masterminds yeah, because like everybody is there and like for a specific purpose, whether it's a business mastermind or fitness mastermind or whatever it is, like you all have a same, a similar goal and passion towards something. And some people can help you out. Like they're more, more than happy. It's easier to make those connections in that group and, and the, biggest thing is like everybody is so so excited and very very helpful towards each other and i i believe that it's, it's a secret mm -hmm. now um when like did you go to an event and someone was like oh we have this mastermind like when did it first come to your mind You're like i want to i want to join the see what it's like and, and then once you joined it what what was it like as far as like your life where you're like wait a second this is very powerful yeah, my first mastermind was actually held by a friend of mine. So she approached me and said, you know, listen, I'm, I, I've begun this mastermind. I think it'd be really helpful for you. You should you should come. Um, and so, of course, I did it out of the, you know, well, she's my friend. Of course, I'm going to, you know, join it. Um, but so for me, I went into it probably with very much the wrong attitude, right? I went into it with the, oh, I'll just do this to, to do her a favor and, and get enough butts in seats. Um, and my first experience with it was just, you know, like just the brick wall that you just sat there and went, wait, why wasn't I doing this before? Um, you know, it was a smaller group. I think there were only five of us. And so we were able to hot seat during the two days and everybody got hot seated and man, they were brutal, like good, brutal, but they were brutal. You know, it, it, it was a really good wake up call for me, um, of things that I probably weren't, wasn't do, quite doing right in my business. And, and they were calling me out on it. Um, and you don't get that, you know, you, you don't get people who will be honest with you and, and say, you know, that's just not a good idea. Um, or that's an amazing idea or yeah, that's great, but you need to tweak it. Right. So that was really my first experience. And then as I went to different events, you know, I would see different, you know, masterminds that were, you know, at the event and, and would have a booth and, um, you know, we, really depending on what the focus of that group was, you know, that would determine kind of whether or not I would participate and, and actually join them. But, um, you know, they have just been such a crucial part of business that I wish I had actually taken part of in the first five years of my business. I think my business would have grown very differently um, if I had been part of a mastermind at the beginning versus just kind of figuring it out on my own and making it up as I went. So um, I'm a, a huge advocate of masterminds, but finding the right one that, that fits your business or your, your need at the time. Um, 
And it's okay, you will outgrow different mastermind groups and that's perfectly okay. So once you join one, you don't have to stay there for the rest of your, your life. You know, you can move around to different ones as they meet your needs and as you're able to serve them as well. Yeah, I, that's interesting you, you, you say that because it's, it's much like I see it similar to even relationships. You know, some people you help and you grow and you're they, they made sense for you in that stage of your life. But sometimes you part directions and, and that's OK. Right. And that, that's a big thing. It's just thinking it's not like if you did if at one point of your life, it, it was okay for you to really spend a lot of time together. But at this point, it just doesn't make sense. But I still, we still care for each other very, very much. So and I, one of the big, the biggest thing that's made a huge difference for my life and m- many others is being around the right people and not hanging around people who don't share the same goals and, and similar values that, that's, that's a very, very tough thing to do. Did you have anything like that where you had to like let go of, of people while you were embarking on this entrepreneur journey? Yeah, definitely. You know, I have scaled my company up and then I've scaled it back um, a couple of times. Um, I have, you know, like I mentioned, I had the one day that I fired all the clients because um, it wasn't a good fit and I had outgrown them. And, you know, that seems like such a weird statement to make. And and I actually struggled with that, you know, like, who am I to say that I've outgrown my clients? Like it it seemed a little arrogant of me to, to even be considering it, but it's true. I mean, we, we have different phases of our business. We have, you know, different people that it's appropriate to be working with at different times. And, you know, it's, it's okay as a business owner, you know, that's one of the, the, the things that we have to, to decide. And it's okay as a business owner to say, you know, we're on the wrong path or we're on the right path, but not necessarily with the right people. Um, and it's a, it's a hard decision as a business owner. Um, but you have to, you still have to put the business first. Like the people you're, you're still putting them first in terms of how you care for them. But you have to, in terms of decisions, put the business first and to make sure that the business is going to continue to thrive. Because if the business isn't thriving, you can't help those people at all, no matter how much you care for them. Absolutely. And I I know that isn't um, an easy decision to make. And one thing about being an entrepreneur is you got to make those really challenging decisions. And yeah, and you have to take full responsibility and think, you know what? I'll deal, I'll deal with the consequences, but I feel like this is what I'm going to do. I think that's one of the beauties as far as entrepreneur as well is like you are, I think Joe Paula said this, he said, uh, the best news about being an entrepreneur is that you're your own, you're your own boss. But the worst thing about being an entrepreneur is that you're your own boss. Your right? boss. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, you know, and I tell people all the time, you know, I love being an entrepreneur. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up quote unquote in the corporate world. Um, and I miss it a little bit. I miss, I miss the coworkers, right? I miss those, those interactions. And that's actually one of the things that the, the, the masterminds are really good for. Um, but I, I don't think I could ever go back to the corporate space. I've had a couple of clients that said, you know, close your business. We want to hire you full time. Right. And I just, every single time I just say, no, I can't like, I just, that's not who I am anymore. Um, I love being my own boss. I love deciding that today I'm going to work and tomorrow I'm not. Um, But at the same time, in the last 11 years, I've taken one vacation where I actually turned off the computer. I hired somebody to run the business for me while I was gone. Um, And that's not a great admission, right? One vacation in 11 years. And um, so you have to realize too, when you're an entrepreneur, there's, there's a lot that gets put on you. Um, you know, you're wearing all the hats, not just one. Um, I get envious of my husband. Sometimes I'm like, man, you get to work from eight to five and then you close the computer and you're done. Like, how does that work? <laughs> I don't understand. Um, but I wouldn't give it up for, for anything. So you just have to realize when you're in the space that, you know, there's a lot of amazing things about it, but there's a lot of things that can really kind of break you down a little bit. And you've, you've got to be sure to take care of you um, 
in the space to make sure that you know you can continue to thrive as well. Absolutely. Now, with being you know your own boss, it's like you have to be really disciplined as far as your own schedule. What does it look like for you to keep yourself like productive? You have certain things in the morning. You have a certain routine that you create for yourself. Like, what what does that look like for you? Yeah. So I will admit I work way too much. Um, I'm one of those. Um, but I'm, I, you know, like this week I'm juggling three virtual events right now. Um, we're building out three different events. One goes live next week two go live in two weeks. Um, so for me, I try to really focus on one project at a time. Um, you know, I'll sit there and say, okay, for the next two hours, I'm only going to do company a, um, for the next you know, hour after that, I'm really gonna try to focus on company B. And I will, I catch myself, I'll go and check email and you know, email sucks you in and, and pulls you into 50 different directions. Um, but I really do try to kind of compartmentalize my day in terms of you know, which project I'm focusing on. And then also building in time to make sure that my company is actually one of my projects too. Um, you know, entrepreneurs, we, we definitely have cobbler shoe issues. You know, we do everything for everybody else and, and not anything for ourselves. So I have to physically put on my calendar when I want to block out time to record 50 LinkedIn videos or, or, you know, whatever it is that I'm, I'm currently doing to build my business. So that compartmentalizing is really, really important. Um, I was just reading recently um, I'm, I'm a huge Elon Musk fan in terms of all the things that he has done, you know, whether you like him as a person or not, um, just, you know, where he's taken Tesla, where he's taken SpaceX. Um, I'm a total rocket geeky girl. I sit there and watch the launches every single time. Um, and I was reading that, you know, he's got some, you know, he's got three big companies, right? He's got Tesla, boring company, and he's, he has SpaceX. And, and how does he manage that? And he actually sec- sections it out by days. Um, so Monday is SpaceX, right? Tuesday is Tesla. Wednesday is boring company, or you know, maybe Wednesday and Thursday is boring because they've got something big going on. And it's that same compartmentalizing that really helps you focus. Um, so it's, it's really important to, to just kind of chunk out your days, um, to focus on what you need to focus on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Elon, I remember when I listened to him on Rogan's podcast and Rogan's like, how do you have the time to do these things? Like, how do you do it? And, and he's just like, you know, just as in, in the most long way, it's just like, you know, just do it. Or I forgot what, what he had said, but right. um, big, big fan of, of Elon as well. Now, with um, with like you have these virtual events coming up, where do you see things going in terms of events and um, virtual events? I know no one really knows. There's a lot of uncertainty, but from your best guess, what what would you say? Yeah, so no question about it. Um, you know, live events will come back, um, not as soon as we want them to, but they are going to come back. And so, really, where events are going is they're really going to be moving to a hybrid model. Um, we were seeing hints of this before COVID. So for example, last September, we were doing a hybrid event. It was probably 75% um, virtual, 25% live. Um, so all the attendees were virtual, but the presenters, we were, we were doing a mix. And you know, we've seen a hint with that with some of the big conferences where they were doing them live, but then they would be, you know, tell you, oh, well, and for $199, you can buy the live stream. And the live stream was kind of an afterthought, right? Like, we need to focus on putting on this big 30,000 person event. Um, and oh, yeah, there's a live stream. That's kind of where events were. And really where we're going to be moving to is we're going to be moving to true hybrid events where we have a live component that maybe you have 30,000 people at an event, um, but then you also have a concurrent virtual event where the virtual attendees and the live attendees can actually engage with each other during the event. So it's not going to just be the live stream. These, you know, the virtual attendees are going to be watching the, the the same presentation that the live attendees are watching live. So we'll have live with a live stream, but that engagement is going to continue in terms of 
having that engagement with the two groups. You know, they've always been separated. Um, and it's really going to be that integration. Um, we're going to see that with exhibitors and sponsors as well. I'm already forewarning. I have a lot of clients who are exhibitors at events, and I'm already forewarning them. You have to double your sales force because what's going to happen is we're going to have live booths on a trade show floor, but we're also going to have a virtual component to it so that, that you know, Greg, if you can't go to that event, then, you know, you can still go online and, and enter the booth, the virtual booth of that exhibitor and interact with people that are on the sales floor or the, interact with people live with people that are maybe in, you know, Toronto. Um, so we're really going to be seeing events move to more of a hybrid event type. Um, and part of that's going to be because, you know, restrictions are going to be longer than we anticipated in terms of how many people can be in an event. Um, but also even once we, those restrictions are taken off, you know, there's going to be people, companies have figured it out, right? Wow. My attendees, my employees can attend an event and I don't have to pay a hotel. I don't have to pay airfare. I don't have to pay meals. I don't have to pay any of this. Right. Um, and there's a lot of us that we can't wait for events to come back. Like, just put me in a conference room. I'm so excited. Like, let me walk that trade show far. Um, but there's a lot of people that it's just not their thing. And they're sitting there going, wow, I don't have to party until 2 a.m. in the morning to network with people. And I can actually just sleep in and attend this online. So um, I think we're really going to see that mixture and that, that hybrid really becoming, you know, the powering force moving forward. Wow, that is a very incredible insight that I never even like thought of. That's that's really powerful. It makes sense, is specifically because as you mentioned, like people, there's some people who don't want to go, or but they want to go, but maybe or want to be more on the screen side, or and then integrating that with like the I, that's like a lot of different moving parts as well as as you said, there's a lot of different moving parts with the event. Um, let's look into the Facebook group. Let's see if anyone has any questions. Um, in the meantime, do you have like a, I always like to ask in terms of advice to somebody, like some people who, cause I have a lot of people in my group who are starting out in business. Like what mistakes would you say like uh, you can help them avoid when it comes to having their own business and first starting out? Yeah, so there's a couple. So one, obviously, don't be afraid to ask for help. We talked about that already. Um, two, it's okay if something doesn't work. Um, things that fail, quote unquote, fail, actually teach us. And, and that was a lesson that took me a really long time to learn. I actually literally have a plaque on my wall that says doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. So don't be afraid to fail. It, you know, it's okay. If you're not sure if that product is going to launch, it's okay. Don't let that doubt keep you from launching it. If you really think that this is something that's going to meet people's needs. Sometimes those product launches are going to work and they're going to be amazing. And sometimes they're going to flop, um, but it will teach you something and that failure will actually help you grow. So don't let that doubt actually stymie you and, and, and hold you back. Um, and then the third thing really is, you know, think big. Um, and, you know, I, we, we talked about how important masterminds are and, and, and really input from other people. And, and there's a lot of, of people and a lot of companies that I've followed over the years that, you know, you always hear it, right? If you follow this methodology, you will automatically get X, right? And some, for some people, it works. And for some people, it just doesn't. Um, and sometimes you can do, you know, you and I can do this to exactly the same thing and it might work for you and it might not work for me um, because there's other things that come into play, personalities and things like that. So don't ever be afraid to trust your gut. Um, I should have been doing events a long time ago and just focusing on doing events. I was terrified of really niching down that tight. Um, so but I knew that that's the piece that I loved. Like, I'm really good at doing marketing management. I, I'm really good at being an outsourced CMO, um, but I love events. 
And so don't be afraid to go with your gut and really just do what you love. Um, because the more you love it, the more passion that you get put into it and the more energy and that excitement, it starts to just kind of flourish on its own. Um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget a, a very dear friend of mine. We were talking about events one day and, and I was telling her what I really wanted to focus when I was making this transition. And she looked at me square in the face and she said, Lisa, I've known you for 10 years and that's the most excited I've ever heard you talk about your business. Wow. And she's like, you have found your passion. So don't be afraid to listen to that gut and go with it. Man, that that's incredible. Uh, we have Rosa here. Uh, Rosa asks, what mastermind do you recommend the best? Oh my gosh. Um, I, it depends is really my honest answer. Um, I belong to a couple of different ones. So really, Rosa, look at, you know, why, why are you looking for a mastermind, right? That's the first question that you should ask. Is it because you're looking for branding advice, for example? Is it because you're looking for general marketing to help grow your business? Um, you know, we've mentioned War Room. War Room is a, a wonderful mastermind for, for CEOs that are doing high-figure volume in, in terms of income. So it really is going to depend on why you're looking for the mastermind, what do you need from it? Um, and don't be afraid to ask them those questions. So when you're looking into a mastermind, ask them those questions like what type of people are involved in your mastermind? Um, what, what level are they at in their business? What types of you know, topics do you talk about at your mastermind events? And that will help you really hone in on finding the right mastermind for your particular business. There are so many out there that are good. I don't know that I could pick one and say, yep, that's the one because I use different masterminds for different things. Mm, absolutely. Uh, depending on where, where you're at and what are your look, what you're looking for um, as, as far as like, again, uh, niching down, right. To like the specific things you're looking for. Uh, you know, Lisa, I really appreciate you taking time here today uh, and, and helping out, you know, my audience. And I know you're a really busy person, got a lot going on. Where, where can people find you and, and reach out to you? Yeah, so two places. One, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, my first name is Lisa. My last name is harder to spell. It's Schulteis. It's S-C-H-U-L-T-E-I-S. So you can always find me on LinkedIn. You can also find me at my website, which is electrolime. So lime like the fruits. So electrolime.com. Um, you can always connect with me there. If, and, you know, if anybody ever has a question about, you know, how, how do I host a virtual event or what kind of virtual event should I pick or wait, what's the best software for this kind of virtual event? You know, just ping me online. I'm always happy to answer those types of questions, you know, any way that I can help. Um, you know, feel free to ask those questions. You're an incredible person. Again, thank you so much, Lisa. Um, see you, everybody. And uh, we'll, we'll be back soon. All right. Thank you, everybody.